This is News Talk 980 CKNW. A new report out takes a look at food insecurity, and this is from the Northern Policy Institute, and it takes a look at the situation in Ontario, but I think we can all agree uh, there is food insecurity in B.C. as well, particularly in Metro Vancouver, which is one of the most expensive places to live. So what are the solutions, and would a basic income guarantee be the best way of combating food insecurity. Joining us to talk a bit more about this is Valerie Tarasak, professor in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the Faculty of Medicine, University of Toronto. Valerie, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, First off, uh, can you define or tell us what exactly is food insecurity? It's the problem of people struggling to afford the food they need. So, Basically, people who are, you know, struggling to make ends meet, and one of those problems is not being able to put food on the table for themselves and their families. So we measure it um, systematically, or we have measured it systematically on large Statistics Canada surveys. And the questions, I mean, the questions that we're asking really might shock people. They're, you know, do you ever worry about running out of food and not being able to buy more? Do you ever um, not feed yourself or your children a balanced meal because of a lack of money? And then most of the questions focus on actual quantitative deprivation. So going hungry without eating, um, skipping meals because you don't have money for food. Um, you know, it's, it's really a very, a very significant level of deprivation. And to, what exactly then, how would a basic income guarantee change that? Well, the research that we and others have done points very squarely at the problem being income. I mean, if you think about it, most people get their food by buying it. And so those who are most likely to say yes to these awful questions are people who don't have money. And when we look more closely at at who they are, it's um, people on social assistance and also people who are in the workforce but with very, um, you know, short-term, part-time work, somehow not able to cobble together enough money from the bits and bats of employment that they're able to get. And so a basic income would be a way to cut to the chase and basically set an income floor below which we wouldn't let people fall. And um, those people who are currently below whatever that floor is would get picked up. And and how do you know then that that money, that difference, would be spent on food and would help people who are food insecure? Yeah, that's a very good question. The way that we know this is by looking at situations where people who are food insecure have gotten more money. <laughs> and guess what? They get less food insecure. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we've been doing research in this area for years and years and years. And the only thing that we have found that moves the needle on this problem is an increase in, the, in financial circumstances. So uh, to give you an example, um, in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, back in, I don't know, 2006, they started to roll out a poverty reduction strategy there. And one of the things they did was improve the incomes of people on social assistance there. And we saw the rates of food insecurity amongst those people drop by, by almost half. And so they, they wouldn't have dropped if that money was going to beer and cigarettes, right? They had to be spending money on food to be coming back with, you know, less likely to have problems affording the food they need. And so is it the same thing then as raising uh, raising uh, social assistance rates as, as far as a basic, getting it to that level of, of what would be considered a basic income guarantee? Well, raising social assistance rates would achieve that benefit for people on social assistance. But as I said earlier, we've got an awful lot of people in the workforce who are struggling to put food on the table. Even in British Columbia, there would be close to two out of three um, food insecure that are in the workforce. 
So fixing social assistance is a very important thing to do because they're at such extremely high risk of food insecurity um, in most provinces because the rates are so low. But if, if we did that, we still would have a huge chunk of people that would be struggling that wouldn't have been reached by that kind of an intervention. So that's where the basic income, for us as researchers at least, is attractive because it would reach a broader swath of people. But that said, absolutely, um, changing social assistance makes a difference. Uh, whenever we, we talk about even raising minimum wage, uh, th- there are certainly arguments for and against. Uh, one of the ones against is that for helping people get out of poverty or to get out of that level, uh, raising a minimum wage doesn't isn't the best way, that you can do that more effectively with, with tax breaks. You can do it more effectively uh, in other ways. So what about in this case? Are there not other ways, tax breaks, for example, uh, to help people who would be food insecure? Well, the problem with those other ways is that they're so piecemeal. And so, you know, we can talk about uh, increasing a tax credit or um, raising a minimum wage by a dollar or two an hour and, you know, or increasing a child benefit. But they're piecemeal. And what we're seeing when we look at food insecurity, we're seeing the sum total of all those little bits and bats of policy intervention. And each one of them, you know, think of how it occupies the conversations in, in the legislature or in parliament. You know, each one of them is a big deal from that perspective. But what, when, at the end of the day, when somebody has to decide, you know, to pay their rent or feed their kids or um, pay for a prescription medication, it's 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 all of those decisions put together that are now coming to determine the amount of money in that purse. And so that's my, my worry about trying to deal with this problem through these piecemeal things is we never get there. And 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 it's really even unclear which one of them is the is the critical lever. So the beauty of a basic income as I said earlier is it cuts to the chase. You know, I mean we want to make sure people have enough money to meet basic needs. This is one way for us to do it. And you know, messing around with little policies here and there, you know, we're always going to have people we miss and we're always going to have insufficient, um, you know, changes in those household incomes because we haven't calibrated it against any real cost of living. Uh, and who pays for the basic income? Well, the same people who right now, I mean, it's us, obviously, but, it, you know, it's the important thing about thinking about the cost of uh, uh, basic income or an increase in social assistance, the important thing for people to remember is that this problem is costing us now. We've done work in Ontario where we look at the relationship between food insecurity and health care costs. And we know from anything anybody has ever done looking at this problem that people who are struggling to afford the food they need have worse health than the rest of us and their health systematically deteriorates the longer they're in those situations. So in a country where we have public, um, publicly funded health care, that means we have a cost. Because, you know, to have a large chunk of our population unhealthy and getting unhealthier by the day um, means we're picking up the tab for emergency department visits and hospitalizations and all sorts of other things. So there is a cost now. And so part of what we're arguing around the basic income or, as I said, a change to social assistance also would be, you know, you can pay for this by ensuring people have the ability to meet their basic needs and therefore, you know, the basic prerequisites for health, or we can pick up the tab through our health care system. The latter, I would argue, is probably more costly. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, Valerie, very interesting report. Thank you so much for joining us to talk a bit more about this today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. 
All right, that is uh, Valerie Tarasak, professor in the Department of Nutritional Sciences and the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.